Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, it is Monday, February 1, a brand new month, and a brand new impeachment trial coming up. True. Uh, they say it's supposed to start Monday the 8th, but then people talk about maybe Monday the 9th. So one of those two days coming up. It's just around the corner. We're going to talk about how this is not your father's impeachment trial. We're also going to talk about the filibuster drama in the U.S. Senate that could be extremely important in terms of implementing the Biden agenda in the next two years. And if we get time, maybe I'll give you one of my uh, unpatented rants on the uh, trademark rants. Yeah, trademark on the cancel culture uh, war. San Francisco is dropping George Washington's name from high schools. It's kind of put me over the edge. I'm just an emotional guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, before we get to the impeachment business, though, I have to I have to share a very strange thing uh, that happened to me this week. Imitation crab meat. Now, I hadn't had it for a while, uh, but it's really pretty tasty. It is. And as I'm chomping down on it, and by the way, it says chunk style. Ooh, and I know nice. that Skippy peanut butter comes in both. There's right. chunk Chunky and the creamy. And smooth. Mm, is there um, imitation crab meat that comes in creamy? You know, I hope not. I hope not, too. For everybody's health and safety, I hope so, not. So here's my problem. What is it about imitation crab meat? Why would, is there any other food where the manufacturer is so transparent, they come out and say, this isn't the real thing. Right. I know you wanted a steak. This is an imitation steak. Yeah. This is an imitation Brussels sprout. I guess they- Why? I get, in my mind, two explanations. One, crab was crazy expensive, and they just, it was worth it to go with an imitation. Maybe. A pale imitation. Two, it wasn't a pale imitation. It was actually, they tried it. They made a fake steak. Like it better. Form, and they were like, actually, this is great. And then they went with it, which is how I feel about it. Because every time I'm in a horrible, grungy Vegas buffet uh, or a hometown buffet or really any kind of buffet, and there's a bunch of fake crab meat there. Not that I've been to a buffet in a year, but when I was. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Honed right in on it. I just, Real crab? Take it or leave it. I just think it's kind of weird. I mean, it's like you don't go to the 7-Eleven and say, I'll have some, uh, let's see, I'll have some dental floss. Uh, I think a Butterfinger. No, give me imitation Butterfinger candy bar. <laughs> just doesn't work that way. So from the, uh, from the ridiculous to the ridiculous, uh, before we get to impeachment, the Dodger Stadium protest. What kind of maniacs show up? And prevent people from getting into Dodger Stadium to get their COVID vaccine shots. Yeah, shouting, COVID isn't real, you know, and the vaccine's going to kill you and so on. I mean, fine to have your opinions, right. you know, check in with your friendly local scientist to find out whether you're really right. Mm-hmm. If your instinct about COVID not being real is correct. Right. But to stop people from getting in to the hallowed halls yeah. of the Dodger Stadium parking lot. Yeah. Give me a break. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that people could literally die if, yeah. if some codger who got tired of waiting two or three hours said, oh, well, now if they're going to protest, I'm going to go home. Boom. That afternoon, he gets exposed by a little grandchild. Right. Boom, he's dead in a week. Right. I mean, shouldn't these people do jail time? I mean, this is the same sort of people who uh, refuse to wear masks and uh, and try to get into stores and, and put retail employees at risk and force yeah. the manager to come out and physically restrain uh, them. And, you know, and they do it to create a scene. They do it to cre- get a reaction. They do it because... They're obsessed with being uh, part of this weird, tiny but at little in-group. at least they 
have this, you know, weirdo, ridiculous, but, you know, you can understand them saying, I'm not going to let the government control me. Fine, do that, even though they're putting other people at risk. It's not really fine, but doesn't it take it a, a step too far? And again, doesn't it warrant jail time to actually interfere with people trying to get through the line at Dodger Stadium and get the shot? I hear you. I agree. I think, yes, that uh, protests in this in this context are, are, are very dangerous. The problem being, of course, that... Uh, we we end up running into this problem all the time in American politics where people want to take direct action for bad causes. People want to protest outside abortion clinics and cuss and scream at, at you know, teenagers who are trying to go get, uh, you know, health care of all kinds just because they're getting it from a Planned Parenthood clinic. And it's the only, you know, women's reproductive health clinic in a 50 mile radius because they've all been legislated out of existence by conservative state legislatures. And so you're just trying to go in there and get whatever, you know, health care you need. And you have to go through a phalanx of screaming Jesus freaks who are telling you that you're going to hell and you're murdering babies. And so you just don't go, obviously, and then you don't get reproductive health care. And then you don't get contraception. And then you don't get, you know, cervical cancer screenings. And you don't get anything else. And it's the same tragedy. Bottom line is we enforce the law so that anybody who takes violent action, even though there is an underlying political element, uh, they ought to go to jail. Um, In terms of of the Dodger Stadium thing, I mean— it's just it's just shocking to me that that if the authorities don't take steps, I think the the good thing, Connor, would be to take all the people, yeah, uh, and put them in the exercise yard in the jail with no social distancing and no masks, because after all, they don't believe in don't social believe distancing right. and masking at all. Right. So let's talk impeachment. Um, the trial's coming up uh, Monday, Feb eight or Tuesday, Feb nine. Trump apparently is saying. It's all simple. Uh, I'll argue it myself. I'll save on lawyers. Literally, they've reported right. that he wants to save on lawyers. Right. Man I'm, wants to cut corners. Oh, He's a businessman. Oh, my God. He's I mean, why not just take out your own appendix? You know? yeah. I mean, it can be done <laughs> you know, if you know how to do it. Right. You, you know where to give yourself the, uh, the anesthetic and so on. Yeah, just Google it. How do I take out my own appendix? There was a famous case of a doctor in Antarctica who was the only guy who was able to perform an appendectomy, and he had appendicitis, and so he did perform his own wow. appendectomy. And they've got, uh, you know, it's it's from the forties or fifties or something, but they've got pictures. They don't have video pictures of black and white pictures of this guy who's you know in surgical scrubs, uh, you know, his own stomach open, and he's down there rooting around. Wow. It's horrifying. Well, so that was that was a matter of necessity, life and death. But in general, in legal matters, you know, there's that old saying, if a lawyer represents himself, he has a fool for a client. Right. Well, it kind of goes double if he's not a lawyer. Right. At least the lawyer knows the rules. Yeah. I mean... I mean, you're right. This is a, a huge problem, and you can't just... Or, you know, ordinarily, you can't just navigate uh, uh, the legal system without assistance. In this specific case, it may be that this trial is such a farce that any credence that Trump lends to it with uh, with legal representation uh, will simply make its impact larger. If Trump just showed up in his sweatpants to this trial and <laughs> with a golf, a, good cl- look. a golf club on his shoulder and he said, hey, what are you guys up to? I'm retired. I'm in, I'm, I live in Florida now. What, what are we talking about? That the more... Uh, inept and ridiculous he looks, frankly, the more the Republicans will be empowered to say, look at this guy. He's no longer even the president. And that's our our whole legal defense. I mean, Trump's not going to take that strategy because Trump is 
I think, a bad political and legal strategist, as point I can point to all of the you know legal strategies he's taken over over the years. But he is obsessed with the idea that the strategy should be election fraud. They stole the election from me. Yeah, and, and that's why his whole legal team quit. Reportedly, yeah. He had more than three lawyers. We have three names, Dutch Bowers, Deborah Barbier, and Joseph Howard. And apparently they were going to represent the president. And instead, when he said to them, the basis of our, our, of our case, our arguments will be that they stole the election from me. They said, look, we're not willing to defend you in this case on those grounds. We're not willing to stand up in front of the American people and make those arguments. So, I mean, he'll find a lawyer. There's got to be yeah, a so lawyer he'll out get there a if lawyer, he wants it. The, the, the defense will be presented. One of the arguments will be it's unconstitutional to uh, put a, a guy on trial when he's no longer the president. So they'll hash that out. They'll hash out whether or not he incited riot. They'll hash out whether or not he tried to have a bloodless coup with the with the phone calls uh, to Georgia, and they'll go back to the phone call to Ukraine and so on. But l- let's talk nuts and bolts here. Do you think the uh, Democrats will try to subpoena him? I think the Senate has the power to subpoena folks to show up at this trial. And people have been wondering, gee, is Trump going to testify? Would, would, would the Democrats want him to testify, do you think? Um, I mean, on the one hand, he loves to spar with the enemy. I mean, he, for nonstop, nonstop for four years, he chose to go on national TV and spar with Jim Acosta and all the other reporters that he crossed swords with. So he's not afraid to get up there and mix it up with them. Uh, if you're Schumer, do you subpoena Trump and put him on the stand? No, I don't. I think that if you're Schumer... You realize that won't well, realize. I, I think if you're Schumer, you believe that the introduction of Trump into the national conversation, no matter how bad you did, he can, ever leave? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the reintroduction, the, the yanking him back into the national conversation, putting him in the in the spotlight in the center, and saying, "You are bad, bad dog. Don't do the things that you did. Look at it. Look what what you did. Smack right. your nose. If you do that." You will only embolden his people, inflame them and say, look, our guy is on trial. Our martyr is being you know, put up there in person. The, the, more, the colder and more detached and more procedural you can make this trial, the more the, the gravitas of how important this is will sink in well, to more people as opposed to if you put him up there, it'll be a freaking circus I because have, he turns everything into a circus. I have a dissenting view. It's, it's totally opposite of your view. Yeah. And you're going to hear about it Please. after we take our first oh, break. I can't and, wait. And Connor first is going to tell you how to subscribe to the podcast yeah. and even rate it. Uh, okay. Real high. So please, 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 people, if you get us through Stitcher, if you get us through Spotify, if you get us through Apple Podcasts, if you get us through Podcast Addict, if you get us through any of these platforms, please go on the platform you use to get us and make sure that you're subscribed. If you get us one episode at a time, whenever you think about it, it's way better if it sends you a notification that says, hey, new episode just dropped. So, And it helps us out when we have subscriptions. So please go on there and subscribe. And when you do, while you're on there, Leave us a rating. Rate us, you know, five out of five, five stars, and leave us a little comment. Connor, we love you. You're the greatest. Um, my wife and I listen to you. Lose uh, the dad. <laughs> we listen to you every morning. Uh, it inspires us. Uh, your dad's good too, etc. All right, stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up. Just as the year is winding down, stick with me 
I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, Doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. <laughs> Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com. <laughs> This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm still Connor Oaks. Talking about the impeachment trial. And uh, so here's my take. Connor has just expressed uh, the opinion that maybe it's in the best interest of the Democrats not to let Trump turn it into a big uh, clown show. So Schumer shouldn't test uh, force Trump to testify at the trial. Here's why I think the smart thing is to bring him in. Um, when Trump finished up his four years, you know, 74 million people voted for him, um, 81 or so million voted against him. Okay, he loses. And, you know, you can have your opinions about the four years, you know, people I do. Uh, hate uh, what he did in 17 uh, respects. People love what he did in equal number of respects in terms of the economy and so on. Fine. That, that's history. Then we entered the twilight zone of two months where he tried basically to overcome the election by means of a bloodless coup. Right. He ignored the fact that, you know, he gave it a good shot. His lawyers did their best and they couldn't convince any courts, much less the Supreme Court. So it's over. Okay. But he didn't follow that. He, he didn't accept that. And so, and then we culminated uh, with the June 6 uh, violence at the Capitol. Which one can't exactly call a bloodless coup, given all the coup uh, yeah, blood. Yeah, no, that, 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 that uh, was bloody. But he did try, try for the bloodless coup when he tried to get uh, Pence to send it back to the states. So right. he, here's where I'm headed with this. I think a lot of people looked at, at the last two months after the election and said, well, okay, he's history, he's toast, you know. He's like Joe McCarthy in the 50s. He, he was shown to be a demagogue, and he's self-destructed. And, and we waited, and we waited, and then we read the polls, and we realized, oh, my God, oh, no. he didn't self-destruct. We don't yeah. have any confidence that a really large chunk of the 74 million who voted for him actually have turned their back on him in spite of what happened. So here's how you take him out. You put him on the stand and let him self-destruct. And I know I'm obsessed with the McCarthy thing because, you know, when I was a kid in school, I used to study it and write papers on it. But it was really right. a dramatic element of U.S. political history where this guy was a demagogue and a hateful person. You know, he had a kernel of a good idea. We really do need to root out however many communists there are, whether it's one or a thousand, because we know now from, from history and all the cables being uh, disclosed, that sure, sure enough, as we suspected, the Ruskies got the atomic secrets, then the H-bomb secrets, and so we should have worked harder to keep them out. But that didn't excuse this guy being a demagogue and a bully and a destroyer of lives. And when he was displayed to be all that on national television in the Army McCarthy hearings in 1954, he was censured by the entire U.S. Senate, and he basically self-destructed and faded away. I think there's a shot at, that we should take 
by getting Trump in to testify. And I think that if he has a bad day, he will go the way of McCarthy. Otherwise, what's going to happen? He's got the GOP totally over a barrel. All he has to do is say, hey, guys, Patriot Party, uh, you know, whether it's 25 million or 40 million or 50 million of my 74 million, they're going to stick with me. Even if it's only five or 10 million, you are toast, Toast. Republicans. You're dead. So go ahead and give me the nomination. Let's let's party again. Try this again. So uh, so I say you got to take a shot at somehow convincing a huge percentage of the 74 million that this guy is just like Joe McCarthy. Yeah. Eh, you might be right. You might be right that that's the best strategy, although it might be the best strategy for the Republicans, not for Chuck Schumer. And Chuck Schumer is the one deciding whether they subpoena him in the trial. So speaking of the nuts and bolts of the trial, uh, one optic that I think is bad for the Democrats is that Senator Leahy is going to preside over the impeachment trial. Now, normally, <laughs> as we know from our experience the last few years, the chief justice of the United States presides over an right. impeachment trial before the U.S. Senate when a president is involved. And the chief was there uh, for the 2020 trial of Donald Trump. But the chief this time said, I'm out of here. I got real cases to handle because his view is because it is a former president, a private citizen being put on trial, he shouldn't be there. And I think that ticked off the Democrats because I think they don't want to undermine the legitimacy of what they're doing. But the fact is the chief won't be there. They can't force him to do it. And therefore, Senator Leahy, very liberal senator from Vermont, is going to hold the gavel and impeach and, and preside over the trial. And seriously, I mean, you know, we've heard a lot about how you can't be a judge in your own case, thus no self-pardon by a president, because mm-hmm. you can't have an interest in the outcome, right? That would be biased, wouldn't be fair. Well, you know, you can't have your own aunt on the jury in your jury trial. So what do you do about the Why? Why would they put a guy in there who is a total partisan, has already voted to convict uh, Donald Trump uh, in an impeachment trial? Why don't they get a respected, retired judge, especially since a lot of it is ceremonial ceremonial anyway? He doesn't have the same powers as a regular judge. Why not get He's a not going to be deciding what evidence comes in or anything right, like that. Because the Senate makes the rules for right. its trial. That's they one do of the it many, all their own. It's one yeah. of the many differences between right. this and any normal trial. So why, why wouldn't the Democrats hire a super respected, retired judge that's not seen as in one camp or the other and let him perform the, the ceremony? I think function? you're right. I think this was a, a, a mistake, a misstep. I, I, I don't think that it's going to have a huge impact because nobody really understands the arcane process as well as lawyers. But among, I would say, lawyers, we look at this and it feels very strange to have a judge who is not impartial. But at the same time, when you have a justice of the Supreme Court, these guys are all appointed by presidents, right? I mean, right. and those presidents all have political parties, right? I mean, if... if yeah, but we ch- know that they, they the longer they get away from the appointment, in many high-profile cases, True. like Absolutely. David Souter yeah. and, and others, they drift away Warren. From, from the biases of yeah. the, uh, the president who appointed them. Absolutely, you're right. And that's uh, definitely true. If we had Amy Coney Barrett as the presiding judge in this case... She hasn't had time to drift. She hasn't had quite enough time to drift yet. If we had Brett Kavanaugh, uh, you know, these guys, uh, or guy and gal, they're, they're appointed by Trump. So obviously they would, would look, it would look improper. But by but the same logic to me means that if you had Sonia Sotomayor or John Roberts, the other side is going to say, hey, this looks improper because of who appointed this guy or gal. So, you know, what are you going to do? When you say guy or gal. I agree, though, they should have gone with someone else. Now, when you say guy or gal with respect to Amy Coney Barrett and uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh-huh. you're not really sure what pronoun they prefer. Uh, because I am. I know a lot of people sure. do indicate their preferred pronouns on their emails these days. And I'd, I would bet money that Amy Coney Barrett 
keeps it a secret. I bet her emails do yeah. not say anything about what pro- pronoun she prefers. That's true. It's, it's not very informative. So the, the interesting nut, inside baseball stuff about this, this trial is that, as you were uh, suggesting, Connor, in a regular trial, now, if it's a jury trial, the jury gets to make the call. Now, they get instructions from the judge, right. and the judge decides what evidence they hear, yeah. decides what witnesses they hear. The judge will make some decisions about legal issues that can dramatically affect the, the outcome. And if a jury comes back and says, okay, uh, you know, a million dollars, the judge can say, are you kidding? No rational jury on the planet uh, could find that, and therefore, I'm tossing it out. So the judge has a lot of powers, not unlimited power. But here in the Senate situation, the judge has no power at all because Senator Leahy could say, well, I want this witness in and that piece of evidence out and so on. All the Senate has to do is overrule him. On the other hand, as a practical matter, his fellow Democrats are probably not going to say, are you kidding, Leahy? No, we want it to go this way. So I think it still kind of looks bad for the Democrats to have this guy wielding the gavel over Trump's head. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think that that they should have gone with some sort of more neutral figure, especially because it doesn't matter. Right, right. So another angle uh, pertaining to the uh, impeachment issue is the 14th Amendment. Everybody's been focused on the fact that, well, uh, if you read the Constitution, it says that if the uh, Senate convicts the guy by a two-thirds vote, they then have the power to disqualify him from holding any federal office. And a bunch of legal scholars think a a mere majority vote by the senators to disqualify would be sufficient. I would enjoy a beer majority vote (laughs) in the Senate. That would be more fun, a lot more fun. The beer summit. So so that's what we've been focused on. On, but now people are shifting over to the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment has... Says they can't uh, quarter soldiers in your house. Well, uh, you know, the, the little... Wait, hold on. The li- different one. Been a, been a while since law school. I'm sorry, I lost it. The different little known element of the 14th Amendment is that if somebody has uh, taken an oath to support the Constitution, but then acts very, very badly, like to overthrow the government, yeah. as the Democrats allege Trump tried to do, then Congress by a majority vote, may disqualify that person from holding federal office. So uh, do you think that it would work? It would be a smart move for the Democrats to invoke the 14th Amendment? Or would people push back and say, oh, how convenient? You know, virtually no Republicans join this. Virtually all the Democrats who who now barely control the Senate, uh, uh, they have the power to take away from the voters the option of going for Donald Trump one more time. Do you think it would be a smart move by the Democrats? I mean— Yes, I do think it would be a smart move. I do think putting it out on the table would be a good idea. I think that the arguments you made about how Trump could cause the GOP to self-destruct in in two or four years are valid and are strategic considerations. But I think in terms of thinking of of now and what's right and what Trump deserves and what the 14th Amendment actually says, I think it is a good idea uh, to pursue that. Now, the 14th Amendment, part part of the issue might be that people hear the 14th Amendment and like I just made that joke about think, what the heck are we even talking about? I I don't even remember what the 14th Amendment did. And and now they're trying to use it to bar Trump from office. Now, if they if they have any memory of, you know, American history class, they probably only remember 14th Amendment as the part that says what a citizen is. Or or in uh, Section 2, it describes, you know, how representatives should be uh, apportioned. It's been Uh, huge for civil rights, equal protection. Right. And 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 they're going to, you know, go through these. It, you hear these terms like uh, the equal protection, uh, or um, what's the what's the other one in the first part of the the, the well, due process? The, the, thank you. Sorry, due, due process of law. Um, 
and so you have these parts of the 14th oh, Amendment. the higher profile. Out. Yeah, oh, these are, are they, they pop out to people, and the people think that's what 14th Amendment is. It's either due process, procedural, substantive, uh, whatever else. If you try to say, well, all the way down there in section four at the very end, actually it's not even section four, it's it's section three. In the very end of things, there's this tiny little clause and it says that we can borrow from all this. Put it in a New York Times headline. Uh, That'll elevate it. I mean, you're right. It's just that that's why I'm going through this. It, It feels like... Something that a gotcha, yeah, gotcha, exactly. Constitutional gotcha, yeah, like this arcana, this nonsense that no one's ever heard of before, and no one pays any attention to, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we're gonna bar somebody for running for president. I mean, it it prevents us from making the democratic choice of picking a ham sandwich to be our president if we really want to. There's a mayor in no, no, Connor, a ham sandwich is benign. It can actually be very pleasurable. (laughs) There's a a you really say those words apply to Donald Trump. A Labrador retriever, a golden, a golden Labrador retriever in Oregon who is the mayor of a town. And gosh darn it, if we want to make that dog the president, we should be allowed to. And there ain't no, you know, clause in the Constitution. He was natural born citizen, as the 14th Amendment says, in the U.S. And in 35 years old in dog years, by far, easy. Well, I just say no German shepherds in the White House. Oh, yeah, that's scary. I mean, I I don't know how much of a history buff you are about the 20th century, but those German... Well, we won't get into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More like a Russian blue these days. I guess that's a cat. Never mind. That was an homage to to Norm MacDonald. And we wish Norm more... Well, wherever he is, I'd love to see him back in the Probably his house. After after COVID. Uh, When we come back, the filibuster drama in the Senate. Dun, dun, dun. Too many lawyers to put this. The Car Pro Show podcast is available on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. I can't take my husband anywhere. He's constantly behaving like a five-year-old, snorting, joking, yapping with strangers. It's so embarrassing. But the one period when he's fully engrossed in anything is if he's listening to the Car Pro Show podcast. Here they are now on the Car Pro Show. He gets to hear Jerry and Kevin share all the latest and greatest news and information about the CarPro Friends universe, reviews and commentary on all the newer vehicle lineups from every major brand, stories and testimonials about ultimate car buying experiences through CarPro.com, and certified CarPro Friends at dealers nationwide. My only regret is when this two-hour break from you-know-who ends. Save yourself! Grab some me time by tuning into the CarPro Show podcast on your device anytime, anywhere. Listen to the CarPro Show on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com Are you in search of deeper meaning in your life? Longing to manifest your true desires and unlock your full potential? Look no further than Portal Mystico Podcast, your gateway to treasure trove of transformative tools, enlightening interviews, and enriching content. I'm your host, Elena Maggio, and it's my heartfelt desire to guide you on this extraordinary journey of self-discovery. And with every episode, I'm passionate about sharing and introducing you to new topics in self-development, metaphysics, astrology, the law of attraction, numerology, interviews that will eliminate your path and fuel your own personal growth. This podcast is your wellspring of inspiration dedicated to help you uncover your purpose with unwavering passion. Together, we'll dive deep into the fascinating topics and explore endless possibilities. Listen to Portal Mystico on Pandora, Apple Podcast, or your favorite platform.
This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm still Connor Oaks. So filibuster drama in the Senate. Talk about inside baseball. So uh, the idea is, you know, we all know from the Jimmy Stewart movie from uh, decades ago, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, the filibuster, you stand up there and you're croaking after speaking for 36 straight hours. The idea is... In the Senate, you don't just pass a law if 51 of the 100 senators vote for it. There's a rule that says that if somebody wants to insist on a 60-vote majority, then they may do it. And so you can filibuster and you can gab endlessly. But the bottom line is it encourages compromise. The filibuster right now is an impediment for the progressive agenda for Joe Biden. Right. uh, Because, you know. The centrist agenda, but okay. Well, however you want to describe it. Uh, And the filibuster, uh, a lot of Democrats want to get rid of it so that a bare majority, Kamala Harris breaking every single tie, uh, would be able to implement a lot of fun, new progressive things. Now, here's the problem. If we could get to a vote, the Democrats would win and break those ties. But a minority of senators, that is 41 senators, can say, before we we, uh, go to a vote, we got more talking to do. We got more debate to happen. And thus, they can infinitely stall any vote they want with only 41 senators. So here's the problem with getting rid of this this, uh, filibuster. You need a majority vote in the Senate to get rid of the filibuster. And there are two Democrats who are modern. West Virginia's Joe Manchin and Arizona's Kirsten Cinema, and they will not go along with getting rid of the filibuster. So this is huge. Not yet. I, the, a lot of people may suspect that they want something oh, in, in return maybe they'll make for a their deal, assent. But, but right now they're talking tough like they will not go along with it. But here is the weird angle. Uh, there's also something called budget reconciliation. And those of you who've followed all of, all of the congressional disputes over Obamacare and, and other big uh, cases, uh, laws over the last several years know that budget reconciliation is an exception to the filibuster rule. It is okay to go with a bare majority, not 60 senators required, if it is for a spending or tax measure. Then it's just a simple majority. Right. Now, back in the 80s, some senators who were in the minority would jam non-spending riders into money bills to try to force a 60-vote requirement. To stop that, Senator Byrd, king of the Senate in the 80s, adopted a rule that said the Senate parliamentarian decides whether bills are really money-oriented or not. But progressives in the Senate now want to dump that rule. They want to take the power away from the parliamentarian and let a majority of the Senate decide, oh, is this a money-oriented tax and spending bill or not? Because if it is, then no holds barred. The Democrats want then Kamala Harris to be able to make that call. So in 2017, when the GOP had a majority, Senator Cruz tried the same trick and the Democrats cried foul. McConnell actually sided with the Democrats. So the Democrats want, let's say, D.C. statehood to be deemed a money bill. And if they can have the power to say, well, this is really a money bill, it's not something something more substantive, then a bare majority would be okay. So bottom line, Connor, is that Senators Manchin and Cinema may also need to double down and commit to block the gutting of this reconciliation parliamentarian rule, as well as the filibuster. I take it you're kind of cynical about that. What? You're thinking huh? as what? long as they're going to oh, build sorry. a bridge in West Virginia? I Sorry, I fell asleep there. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> just to just nod it off a little bit. You, you said, said you were having trouble you said, sleeping. Said, United States Senate parliamentarian too many times, and my brain turned off, which is what happens to the American people when they hear the words parliamentarian in the United States Senate, who, by the way, is Elizabeth McDonough. Yay. Since 2012, she's been the parliamentarian in the United States Senate. She makes $171,315 a year. And I think her job is to sit uh, to the left uh, of the presiding officer of the Senate and uh, smile and nod and, and say, uh, uh-huh, most of the time. And then every once in a while, she I gets bet to she make knows Robert's most... rules of order backwards and forwards. That's probably true. And she gets to make sometimes the most consequential decision uh, of, of all time. Uh, is this uh, bill a money spending bill or not? Yeah, so this is this is some real Senate arcana. You want to talk about, we were talking about uh, impeachment. We're taking a deep dive. Arcana. We are extremely deep in the legal nonsense here. Uh, sorry, it's a family Strap podcast. Strap on your so scuba I, gear. I can't call it bullshit, but oops. Uh, but- this uh, this is is really uh, obscure, and and the American people, big picture, don't care. The Republicans, the Democrats, they can do whatever they want. There are no consequences for changing the rules because whoever has power says we are changing the rules to make it possible to enact the agenda that you want, and all of their voters. To a, a T, we'll you know, give them a week. Maybe they'll get over it. They'll say, yes, we get it. We understand. We'll, we, we're on board with you here. And on the other side, no matter what, Democrat or Republican, believe me, I, I've done it. As you pointed out, they, they've, you know, fight on both sides here. They will say, how dare you change the rules right. on us? Yep. And I've said, how dare you change the rules on us? Neither and, you know, side is a monopoly on hypocrisy. No, they certainly don't. It's, it, it, with respect to the rules, the arcane rules of how the U.S. Senate, the most ridiculous uh, body in the universe, uh, <laughs> operates. Yeah, no, this is this is a body that was just constructed at every turn by committee, as they say, you know, by government committee. Oh, my God, even worse, in order to be the most obstructionist possible body. And as a result, it is the graveyard for people's, you know, legislation that this is where all legislation goes to die. There's a reason why things pass in the House and then die in the Senate. And it's because the rules are set up that way. And anything that people do to alleviate that is going to make them more popular with their constituents. So, yes, if the if the uh, Democrats um, uh, unite on this one and they're able to actually uh, get rid of the filibuster and they're able to actually get to votes on their bills via a straight majority, their voters will love them for it and they will reward them in 2022 for it because it will look like they're actually getting stuff done, which is what the Democratic voters want. Now, the same is true in, on the other side, even though Republicans say they, you know, hate government and wanted to, you know, not do anything, blah, blah, blah. When they actually get power, they, their constituents want them to be in there writing stuff and passing bills and headlines say, you know, Senate Republicans passed cool bill saying Obama's tan suit was bad. Like whatever. They want bills to get passed. So so there will, will there will not actually be any blowback for this. The, the question, though, is what do these moderate Democrats want in order to get on board with this? And if the Democrats don't recognize that they will win in 2022, if they do this uh, and get rid of the filibuster and actually start passing legislation, not 
progressive legislation. This is Joe Biden progressive legislation. This is not going to be Medicare for all. This is not going to be, you know, uh, other big Open progressive, oh, sure, whatever progressive moves. Joe Biden doesn't want any of that. And the progressives, I don't know, it's like all these pro, uh, these, these progressive uh, articles are, and, and pieces are coming out going, oh, Joe Biden is is changing his tune and he's he's acting all centrist and he doesn't want to pass any of our big legislation. Like, he didn't campaign on any of that. What are you thinking? Like, he didn't, he literally said no, I'm not going to do anything cool and progressive. And we all voted for him. And now he's the president. And we're all like, why aren't you doing anything cool and progressive? Why are you glad. keeping your campaign promises and being a really, really, really old man? I'm just glad you took the bull by the horns and woke up our audience <laughs> with with that enthusiastic uh, rant. Um, the, the only thing I would object to, Connor, is when you said the U.S. Senate is the world's most ridiculous uh, body. Cool that, that is not. No, that is not true. The most ridiculous club is the Pat Buttram fan club. Mm. And with that... Uh, we wish you a wonderful week. Uh, when we return, uh, we'll be on the brink of the impeachment trial. So Exciting. Have yourself, have yourself a great week. We'll see you next time on Too Many Lawyers. <laughs> <laughs>